sometimes the changes that come into our lives are through just taking baby steps. You know, just making little incremental changes and seeing incremental results and just seeing little things happen. And that's a good thing. I'm, I'm good with that and God has moved in my life a lot of times in a lot of ways just through small little changes. But what I really want to talk to you about is what about when baby steps won't do it? What about when you need more than that? You need some big changes and so you take giant steps. You know, you take big steps in your life because sometimes that's what it takes and that's what you need. We were uh, traveling recently and we were, we were in an airport and there was a guy there and he's trying to entertain his children and he came up with, you remember the game where you take like baby steps or giant step or half step or whatever? He was doing that in the airport across the entire waiting thing and because there's nothing else to do, it provided entertainment for all these people. And we're all watching and people are placing bets on, I bet the little girl gets it because, you know, he's obviously going to give her bigger steps. Because big steps make things happen faster than baby steps. And the thought that's been in my head for a while now is the fact that I need to make, and I think some of us in this room need to make some big changes take some big steps uh, into the future. And we're going to start a brand new series today called Keep the Change. Everybody I know wants to change something about themselves, something about your life. uh, And and maybe you fall into that category. Could be your finances. uh, Could be a bad habit that you'd really like to quit. Maybe uh, your marriage is kind of rocky and you'd like to see some changes there. Maybe you don't want to be single anymore. Uh, maybe you need to lose weight or you got to get in shape. I mean, there's just all kind of things that are kind of typical of stuff that we'd like to change about ourselves and things we'd like to change about our life. Or maybe, maybe you'd like to change some things in your spiritual life. You'd like to be closer to God than you've ever been before. You'd like to have victory once and for all over that sin that just keeps knocking you down over and over and over. Or maybe you've just thought about, you know, there's this area of ministry that I'm just attracted to and I think about. And I'd love to get involved in that and and really have an opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. Everybody I know wants to change some aspect of their lives, something about themselves... You know, I think that's natural. I think it's a good thing. I think that, I think you're on the right track. Because we need to be constantly changing. We need to be constantly improving and growing. Let me just, I can be more blunt than that. If you think that you're fine just the way you are, I'm good. I'm good. Then you set your standards too low. (laughs) The minute we stop growing, we start dying. And life is just a constant process of change. Some people are more comfortable with that than others. Some people don't like to change. I don't want to change anything. Don't make me change. And some people embrace every change that comes along. Here's the problem. Change isn't easy, is it? Especially if you get in a groove and you've kind of got your life thing going on and you're set in your ways. Change can be tough, but what's even harder than that is lasting change. That really doesn't come easily. 
I mean, it's easy for me to implement a change in my life and say, you know what, I'm going to start doing it this way instead of, instead of that way. I mean, you can do that on a whim, right? You can just decide, I'm going I'm to make a change. But sticking with that, staying with that. My dad used to say, smoking is so easy to quit. I've done it a thousand times. <laughs> the trick is not just to change. It's to make it long term. It's to keep the change. It's to keep that change. Some of you this summer experienced some amazing changes in your life. Maybe you went on the youth camp and you saw God work in that room and in your heart and in your life and your friends in an amazing way. And you bring that back with you. Some of you guys I know have been doing mission projects all over the United States and even in other parts of the world. And I've just heard some of the stories as they trickle in of the just incredible things that God has done where you were. And he changed you. He changed you forever through all those events. But then you come back home and something begins to happen. And it begins to fade. You ever been part of a spiritual movement? A personal revival or something that God does. And man, for a couple of weeks you think, Oh, oh Jesus, I love it. This is so amazing. This is what I knew that it could be. And then something begins to happen over time. And it just begins to move away. It begins to fade a little bit. Here's the claim I'm going to make about this series. If you will follow these biblical principles... You will not only become, but you will stay a different person. You'll get rid of old habits. You will breathe new life into hurting relationships. You're going to walk like you've never walked before. And so I hope you will stick around for this series. And that you'll seize this opportunity. That you'll grab this and become the person. Be the man. Be the woman that you've always wanted to be. Today we're going to start at this. Let's look at this idea. I want you to think for a change. (laughs) Now the title of this message is not to imply that you haven't been thinking. And I can hear my mother's voice. Son, think for a change. You know, you can kind of hear that ringing in your head. It's not so much that I'm saying you need to think. You need to start thinking for a change as opposed to not thinking. What I'm really saying is think for a change. Think for a change. As opposed to just thinking about status quo, just letting things rock along. You know how you just get into a habit of just thinking about the same things every day? On the way to work, you know, in your drive time, you just think about the same stuff. Or you think for the worst. You know how your thoughts always lead you to, oh no, I've just been thinking about this. And, oh, you know, and you, and you, and you get all stressed about that. Change begins in your mind. It begins with the thoughts that you think. James Allen said, You are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. That's really how powerful thoughts are. Paul said kind of the same thing. In Ephesians 4.23, he said this, That you are to be made new in the attitude of your minds. In Romans 12, 2, he said, Be transformed. How does that happen? By the renewing of your minds. The Bible tells us that if, if you change what goes on in your mind, if you change your attitude, you change the way that you think, 
you're going to experience transformation. But it starts right here. It starts right there. So today, we're going to take some steps uh, that I, I really believe are biblical and are going to help you move forward in thinking the right kind of thoughts. I'm going to call them thought habits that you've got to develop. Just some habits, the way that you think. Because I've gotten into good habits and I've gotten into bad habits with the way that I think. And I realize uh, the roads they take me down and what happens as a result of that. So first of all, I want you to think about what you think about. A lot of times, our thoughts are just reactions to what goes on around us. You know, something happens. You know, we let our circumstances just lead us and and, and kind of dictate what we think and, and how we think about that. Or sometimes we just let, and I think it's even worse, that we just let our thoughts wander aimlessly. You know, ah, look, you know, and you spend time and you're just, you're just, you're just doing that. Ah, you're just kind of sitting there like that. Just stuff comes in and out of your head. There's no filter. Uh, you, you just, I see people in traffic. You see people just, and they're just driving, but they're just, thinking, ah, you know, and they're just thinking about stuff. Or even in worship. You know, I've seen people in here. Not that I'm checking you out, okay? I'm trying to worship too. But you know, you see people going, I can't believe she wore that dress. Where's he been? I haven't seen him in about a month. Oh, I wonder what we're going to have for lunch today. I think I like Mexican. You know, and, and we're just, you do that. And, and, you know, your thoughts are all over the place. Here's when it happens for me. It's, this is terrible because we all, do, we, most of us do this now. Is your, your work involves computer now, right? And you're sitting down in front of a computer. And so many different careers and jobs, even ministry, um, I used to depend, and I still do have, like an entire room full of books. But now I can get all those books in my computer. It is so cool. I can cut and paste. And I think, whoa, that made my job a little better, a little easier. But have you ever been working at your computer and you got a deadline, you know, and you're, you're, you're banging it out and you're trying to get it done? I do like this, like that's really the way I type. I'm kind of a Yoda typer. (laughs) 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 Write the sermon, I will. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way I do it. I'm uh, just... And the craziest thing about that is that I had a choice between metal shop or typing. I picked metal shop. Which is going to really come in handy. I know. I, I use that skill never. <laughs> if there's an apocalypse sometime and you need me to grind or, you know, work a blowtorch or weld something, I'm your boy. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be ready. But for day-to-day use, doesn't come in very handy. So I'm sitting there and I'm doing my Yoda type. And you notice a link, right? And you look and you think, ooh, a news article about Michael Jackson. Oh, I wonder what's up with that. And so you go there... And while you're there, you're looking at that, and you see another link to a movie review. And you think, well, I'm thinking about seeing that. I should check it out. And so you go over to the movie review. And then while you're following that link, there's, a, there's an article that pops up on Sports Illustrated. Feature story on who's hot in the NFL this year. Oh, man, I'm working on my fantasy team. Maybe I ought to check that out. And on my way, maybe I should stop by Facebook. And, you know, uh, you know and, and, you, and, and you do that. And before you know it, it's lunchtime. (laughs) And you laugh because you've done it. Two hours later, you're logged into an online sports forum. 
And you're arguing with some guy named Sports Brainiac about whether Kiffin's going to win eight games or not this year. You know, and you're, you're, you think, how did I get here? Oh, it's time to eat. I'll be back this afternoon. <laughs> and so what was meant to help us be more efficient and proficient uh, becomes a waste of time. And it all starts because our mind just wanders. Everybody knows what it's like to get lost web surfing, you know, and just to burn up an entire evening or a day. The problem is we do the exact same things with our minds. You know, your brain has all these links in it just like that. And many times we just bounce from one thought to another without even thinking about what it is we're thinking about. Does that make sense? Sometimes I travel alone, and when I do, I'm I'm trying to make this determination. I'm going to think about this, and I'm going to think about that during my free time. I'm not going to let my thoughts just wander and take me where they will. It calls for discipline and for guidance uh, so that your thoughts just don't move aimlessly through your head. I do this, I typically mow like either on the weekend or on Mondays. That's my day off, and so that's like a mowing day. So I'll try to purpose sometimes before I ever start. When, when I get out there today, when I'm mowing, I'm going to think about this. So I'm not going to think about it right now. I'm, not gonna, I'm trying to let it keep me up tonight because that's going to be my mowing day thoughts. And I've, I've got a couple hours I'm going to be out in the yard working. That's what I'm going to think about because it doesn't take a lot of thought, you know, just to kind of go back and forth, right? That's a habit. You've got to develop. It doesn't come naturally. And we need to learn how to think on purpose. Paul said this in Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, Paul's not saying, happy thoughts, happy thoughts, happy thoughts, just go to, I go to, go to my happy thoughts. You know, it's not saying that. What, what he's saying is to make it a point to think on purpose and make it an effort to think with a target in mind. Here's what I catch myself doing. I have a problem, you know, and, and I start thinking about it. I've done this ever since I was a kid. My mother used to call me the worry wart. I never knew what that, I think it was a flattering term. Hi, here's my little worry wart. Hi, Mother. I'm kind of worried about, you know. So I'd have a problem. Think about the problem. I think about how big it is. Wow, this is a really big problem. Think about how annoying it is. Oh, I wish this would go away. I think about who caused the problem. Oh, why didn't they do it that way? You know, and, and you, you, you know that spiral. You do this too. Uh, and then you think about, oh, I wish it would disappear. I wish I would wake up and the problem would be gone, but, it, but I don't. I think about how impossible this is to solve. I can't do that because then this will happen. And can't do that because, oh, then, then he'll do this. Or, oh, she'll be offended. And, you know, and, and, you, and you, just, you just tear it apart and you put it back together and you just keep doing that. And my natural tendency uh, in thinking about my problems is to do it just like that. And just to mull it up. You know, you just go over and over and over. And that's doing none of the things that Paul told us to do. And you may have thought when you read this at one time, that's a pretty poetic piece of scripture. I like that. I might put that up on the wall or something. It's actually a very solid piece of biblical advice that works. Paul said, think about what's true. 
So when I think about how impossible this is to solve, and I don't think it can be, there's no answer, there's no solution, we'll all be killed. uh, That's not truthful thinking. When Paul said, think about what's noble. And when I think about, well, who's to blame for this? I think, that's not noble. That's not noble thinking. Paul said, think about what's right. I just wish this would go away. Lord, I'm going to open my eyes and and it's disappeared. That's not right. That's not right thinking. You can't wish your problems away. You can't avoid responsibility for that. Paul said, think about whatever is true and noble and right and pure. What he's doing, he's telling us to think about what we think about. He's telling us, think on purpose. Don't be a victim of, of your thoughts. Put thought into that. Pay attention to your thoughts. You ever been thinking about something and just realize you're thinking about it? You know, like a daydream where you just say, oh, I didn't realize I was thinking about that. You know what I was just thinking about? You know, and it just kind of, no, choose your thoughts. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you can't think about two things at the same time. I mean, try that. You know, just try to think about your mother-in-law and ice cream. You know, you you go back and forth, but you can't. Okay, just a little mental exercise. Don't do it right now. I've lost some of you already. Uh, ice cream. I like ice cream. You know, and you, I'm, you're gone. You know, or um, you look out the window and think, uh, you know, and you just and that's it, it, all it took. Some of you, some of you are still looking. Come up, back, back. Okay. Here's another. Here's another habit to develop. Put each thought in its proper place. Every thought yields one of three responses. It either leads to a negative action. It leads to inaction, or it leads to a positive action. And sometimes, after you think about something long enough, it's going to result in you saying the wrong thing, or doing the wrong thing. Haven't you ever done that? You just think about it, and you think about it, and you think about it. I, I'm not even going to tell stories because I'm I'm the champion at that. Think about something, and, and by the time you get yourself so worked up because you thought about it, you drive over to the house and you punch the guy, or you burn his house down, or you know you do, you know whatever it is that you do, and then later you think, kind of wished I hadn't done that, <laughs> you know, but you just thought about it so much. That's kind of what happens. Or other times you think about certain things in ways that just cause you to procrastinate. You know, it's just easy. Just put, I just thought about it, and then I just thought about it so much. I got tired of thinking about it, so I went out and played golf. You know, you just, just did something. You just didn't do it at all. Then there are those times when you think right on target, and that leads to something productive. That leads to a beneficial kind of an action. So when you think about what you're thinking about, you can learn to identify each thought and put it in its proper place. Put it where it needs to go. And you can do this by asking yourself just some simple questions. And I know you think, Dan, you're just kind of, don't talk like that. Well, this works. Okay, this works. So, So jot these down. One is this. Here's a good question to ask yourself. Who is the influence behind this thought? When you become aware that you're thinking especially self critical thoughts, Where'd you get that? I mean, ask yourself, who's behind that thought? Is that the voice of God I'm hearing? Or is that my mama? (laughs) Is that just what I've heard my parents say? Is that what my boss said? Is that what my spouse said one time and I just hadn't been able to shake that off? Identify, identify who's influencing your thoughts. The next question is this. 
What does this thought reveal about what I really believe? When you think critical thoughts about someone else, what does that really believe about what you are thinking? When you think that a problem's too big to be solved, this habit, I just, I'll never break this habit, I can't do it, it's too hard. What does that really reveal about what you believe? It reveals that you think your circumstances are greater than the power of God. When I think critically of somebody else, it's like, oh, then I think I'm better than, than them. Or it reveals, you know, God, I don't think you're really interested in helping me. Or Holy Spirit, I don't think you can follow through on the promises of Christ. That's what it really reveals. And there's times when you catch yourself thinking those kind of thoughts, and you'll decide, stop, whoa, wait. This is not what I want to believe. This is not what I want to think. And I'm going to change the way I think. The next question you can ask yourself is this. Where is this kind of thinking? What's this type of thinking? Where is that going to lead me? Where is that taking me? Where is that thought going to take me? You know how you think something and you know the, the next thought comes? And it's like this spiral. It's like this drain that begins in your soul. And pretty soon you're way down here. Conversations are like that, right? You know, you're driving the car and you say something. And then she says something. And then he says something. And you can tell. Ten minutes from now, there's going to be a fight. You, know, I, you can just tell. You know, I know where this is going. I know where this is headed. Because you've been there. Where's that going to take me? Our thoughts are going to lead you in three directions. They're going to lead you into negative action, which is sin. They're going to lead you to procrastinate. And that's, that's sin too. Or they're going to lead you into positive action. And that's holiness. So evaluate each thought on the basis of where is this going to lead me. I'm only going to choose you know, those, those top tier types of thoughts. I'm only going to pick those out. I mean, check this out. Listen, if you think and think and think about uh, your wife. Oh, boy, she just gets on my nerves. She never does anything right. And how does she? She never thinks about anybody but herself. I've never had these thoughts, by the way. I've never had these thoughts. Um, I pick something abstract. Um, but you just keep thinking like that. Or you, I could, I could plug, I could disconnect and pl- plug in husband. Oh, he's such a big loser. And, you know, and he, maybe you don't say that, but you think about that. Where do you think? Where do you expect those thoughts are going to take you? They're going to lead to a negative action. All of a sudden, there's going to be harsh words. You know, say something, and you just, you just say little comments, a little biting thing, a little something. And you think, oh, I just, you just say that. Or maybe you get a cold show. You just start doing, you just start ignoring them. You know, and you just, you do that. Or maybe they start, you start taking inappropriate thoughts about somebody else because somebody at work's flirting with you. Or they think you're cute, they think you're kind, they're, they're gentler, they're, they're, oh, that was so brilliant, oh, you know, and you, you know, uh, and then you start thinking those thoughts, where do you think that's going to take you? I guarantee you it's not going to strengthen your marriage. We need to evaluate every thought on the basis of these three questions. Who's behind this type of thought? What does this type of thought say about me, really, and my beliefs? And where's this type of thought eventually going to take me? And if it's not taking you to Jesus, if it's not taking you in the direction of holiness, it's not taking you into a closer walk with Christ, it's not the right thought. You need to reject it, and you can do that. You take authority over that. That's how we put each thought into its proper place. Now, you know how to learn how to do that? You learn how to identify good thoughts from bad thoughts and separate them out. And you learn how to do that 
in the Bible. The Bible teaches us how to, to think beneficially. Peter wrote this in 2 Peter 3, 1. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. And I've written both of them as a reminder to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Wholesome thinking. That means you spend, the, the more time you spend in the Word. And I know you, maybe you just do that as a duty or you do it because somebody told you you ought to read the Bible, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus. Now, this is so, it's medicinal. It's, it's amazing. The more time you spend in the Word, the less critical you're going to be. The more time you spend in the Word, the less hateful you'll be. The more time you spend in the Word, the less bitter you'll be. The less selfish you'll be. The less fearful you'll be. It's an amazing thing. The more time you spend in God's Word, the better you're going to get at thinking on target. And when you bring God's thoughts in sync with your thoughts, it's a beautiful thing. Now, here's one other habit, um, kind of a thought habit for, for you to develop. Follow up those best thoughts. You know those, those moments where you have, ah, you know, and it's like, oh, that's a good thought. Oh, that, what a great idea. And I know that's, that's like a God thing that's happening right now in my mind, in my soul, in my heart. Follow that up with appropriate actions. And we're talking more, a lot more than just the difference between positive thinking and negative thinking. That's so cliche, and it's just, and it's not enough. We've all tried that, right? You thought, I'm just going to be positive, I'm just going to, and after a while you got tired and think, that didn't really, that didn't really happen. No, it's, it's moving beyond that into action-driven thinking. You know the old thing about there's a glass of water, and it's got eight ounces, you know, capacity, and it's just got four ounces in it? You see, a negative person will look at that and say, the glass is half empty. And some of you are like that, the natural bit of your personality. And you know, yeah, I'm kind of that way. Some of you are real positive. Look, the glass is half full. And you're real happy about it. And that's kind of, nothing ever happens. An action-oriented person looks at it and says, looks like it needs four more ounces of water. I'm going to go get some. I'm going to the fountain. I'm going to reap. You see, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm going to make a note of that. I'm going to get some water. I know I can get this. And, and you move into action. So you've got a half glass of water. You can't positive think your way into more water being in the glass. You've got to take action. You've got to take action. Some of you heard the promo at the beginning of the worship service about what we're doing with kids stuff and, and in our children's ministry. And we just think about it. And you just think, well, that's really cool. I think that's going to be great. Maybe you've even walked downstairs uh, in that area, and we've reclaimed this the, the basement basically, and turned it into this. We're in the process of making it from a you know a hallway into a subway line, and just a big you know three rooms we didn't use into a theater, and in an arcade, and and it's just so much fun to see that taking place. But if you just think about it, nothing really happens. So next Saturday there's a work day, and people are going to show up. You're invited to be one of them. And they've done amazing things. And as if somebody has an idea, they get all excited about it. There were two doors down there, and we kept thinking, how are we going to get kids in and out of these doors and whatever? Somebody had the idea, let's just cut the doors out and put a sliding door in and then put graphics on it so that it looks just like a subway door opening up. You know, and you're getting off the subway platform and you step into the theater. How cool is that? So I came in the other day, and the doorway's cut out. <laughs> because there are people who are taking... All their Saturdays, their only day off, 
And they're coming up here and they're cutting doorways and they're painting walls. They're doing all these cool things. They're not just thinking about how great it would be to have a beautiful children's area. They're following up those creative thoughts with actions. That's going to be a cool area. By the way, I really appreciate those of you who have given to that project because we live on that and we've caught up to you. And I, I promise all the guys working on it, they said, hey, you've got to tell folks, we've caught up to everything that's given. What do we do now? So I'll mention it Sunday morning, and I think people will think about it. And we'll see what happens after that. Um, but we're, we're excited about that area. That just, that's just one idea. And there's stuff like that that happens at your work and your family. You know, you think about it. There's a branch in my neighborhood that every time you drive through, it kind of hits your car. And I always drove through thinking... Why doesn't somebody do something about that? You know, that branch is going to scratch somebody's car. And one night I drove through and I thought, I live here. I'm just eight houses into my subdivision. So walking my dog one night, and this looked really creepy, I got my hedge clippers. I did. I waited till night, and I'm walking along. And I know people are thinking some people carry pepper spray. You know, Some people carry a gun. I've got hedge clippers, you know. Don't make me. I'll trim you right now. And I just trim those up, you know. And and it just, I thought that it didn't take, you see what I'm saying, okay? Uh, The book of Proverbs says this in chapter 13, verse 16. Wise people think before they act. And that tells me a couple of things. Um, One, not to act (laughs) without thinking. Ooh, we've all done that, right? We've all done that. You just act. My dad's favorite story is one time when I just totally, totally lost my temper and I threw a chair through the kitchen window. And every time friends would come over, and I'm because I'm kind of a nice guy. I don't know if you noticed. I'm kind of a compliant, kind of a, kind of a nice guy. He goes, yeah, <laughs> well, let me tell you about that time he threw the chair through the kitchen window. And he went, I thought, no, don't tell that story. You know, I just I acted without thinking. I just reacted. And the other thing that verse tells me is this, not to think without acting. See, most of us have nailed the first part. Oh, think before you act. Well, let me flip that around on you. Act after you think. Put it into action. Both of those are essential. Too often we think about the right thing to do, but then we never really get around to doing it. We think about how we could solve a financial problem, but we don't ever do anything about that. We want to improve our physical health. We want to grow in, you know, in our walk with Christ. But we don't implement the changes that we thought about. Some of you have learned so much this summer. And you've, read some, you've heard some amazing speakers. You've been in some great churches. You've gone to some seminars or conferences or camps. And think about all, all the good things that God has put into your heart and into your head. Implement those changes. Instead, sometimes we allow another thought to take their place, a thought that says, wow, that's really a good idea. Maybe I'll do that later. I think next week I'm going to get started. I think I'm going to, next month when things have settled down, have things ever settled down for you? You know, have you ever trick yourself? That's one of my favorite go-tos for me. You know, right now, everything's so crazy and everything. I'll wait till next month. You know, how's that going to be better? You'll have something else going on then. But we do that. I don't feel like it right now. Because we all know that later never comes. That's why the the writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 7. Today, 
If you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't put that off. He's saying, do something now. If God speaks to you today, don't procrastinate. Take action on that. Follow up your best thoughts with your best actions. Keep the change that you started. A couple of years ago, because of my family history and because uh, I was just really stressed at a certain time, it was when... You know, I lost both my mom and my little brother in the same year, and some other things were going on. And my chest just began to feel really tight. And I thought, oh, you know, all my family, everybody's died of heart disease, all of them. And I thought, oh, that's what it is. So we decided we're going to do a heart cath, a catheterization. So um, we went in, and uh, uh, Dave Rankin checked me out. And then I went to Clint Doran, and and, uh, he did the heart cath. And... It's one of those things you, you don't want to do because it's kind of invasive. And you think, okay, I don't want anybody going inside my body. Don't do that. You know? So, you know, but they, they're, they're going to do that. But the, the worst part of the whole time was is that they put you in these little cubicles that really aren't made out of anything except um, fabric. You know what I'm talking about? They're on those things like a shower curtain. And they just put you in there and slide it around you. And what they tell you, what you have to do is, and this is, so, this is ridiculous, and don't tell anybody I told you, because this is just, just m- among us. They, they send you in there, and they tell you, okay, take all your clothes off. <laughs> I'm not comfortable with that. Um, and put this on, and it's this little thing that looks ridiculous. But then they said, then that's what they told me. I don't know if they do this everywhere. They said, keep your socks on, because it's kind of cool. I thought, oh yeah, because you don't look ridiculous enough in just this. What would make a guy look even funnier? Socks. <laughs> so I'm walking around. I've got this on. I got. I think it's, at least nobody will come back here. Well, in comes the chaplain. His name's Dan. I've known him for years. And you know how chaplains usually they're like, "Well, I'm here to minister God's grace to you." And you know they. I'm not. You know, if you're a chaplain, that's great. It's got that kind of that just so soothing personality. Well, he comes in and he looks at me and he just starts laughing. <laughs> He said, don't you just feel ridiculous? I said, yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm scared about this procedure, and now I look ridiculous. I'm, I'm here for your entertainment. And then, of all people in the world, in walks Derry Thompson. Now, I don't know if you know Derry. Those of you laughing, you do. And he brings all kinds of funny stuff with him. And he's like, hey, where's Dan Raleigh? And he's in balloons and everything. I'm like, oh, man, of all, you know, and he's, you know, honk, honk, you know, and just. So it's that kind of day. Finally, we get through it, and they take me back, and, you know, we're waiting, and we think it's done. Well, there are other people in those little places, and they're in recovery, too. So I can hear the people next to me, and I just start listening to them. They're very entertaining. They're obviously, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way, they're from the mountains, okay? So he says, how you feel? You feel anything? No, I don't feel nothing. I don't feel anything. You hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. I'm starving. I could eat a bear. And so they're talking. So I'm just lying there thinking, I'm about to die. And the last things I hear on earth, (laughs) that's what I thought. I really thought I'm going to go into heaven. And that's the last thing, the last people I'm going to hear. What is that up there? I don't know. Get that. What are you doing in my purse? Leave that alone. You know, and they're just, they're bickering back and forth. And um, so when he says, you hungry? He goes, yeah, I'm hungry. He says, we're going to go down Chapman. There's that Captain D's. And it got quiet. And I know she's thinking, so I'm listening to see what is she going to decide. So then 
he pipes up to kind of encourage her along that way. He says, get you a load of fish. (laughs) Now I'm going to die. And the last thing I hear is a load of fish. (laughs) She said, that sounds good. So that's... So I'm assuming... This lady. Now, they came out, and my little curtain's open, and she's she's a large lady, you know, and she's all bandaged up, and they've got her in this chair, and they're rolling her out. And I thought, you just went through all of this, and the first thing you're going to do is get you a load of fish. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to be the, like, broiled grouper, or so, I don't, you know, that... The tilapia. I think it's just going to be, yeah, I'll take a a bucket number seven with, you know. Do you know that 90% of the people in America who have a stent, who have open heart surgery, return to their old lifestyle? They make a change right here because they're scared. Do you know that 90% of the people in America with step two diabetes could cure themselves? just by making a permanent change in their lifestyle. Same kind of thing happens spiritually. You just change when you're 9 years old, when you're 15, when you're 30, and you leave that event isolated, you know, as something that happened, and your testimony, that's all you got. Yeah, well, yeah, when I was 20, I gave my heart to Christ and everything changed. Not much has happened since then. There was a big change and then it just flatlined. The idea about today and the idea about this series is to keep that change. And today, specifically, I'm encouraging you to learn to think on target. Learn to think purposefully like you're supposed to think. In preparing for this, particularly during vacation, I thought about a lot of the changes in my life. And I thought about some of the changes that I've made in my life. And there's some of those changes that I've abandoned, that I let go of. So this message, and I'm being just real vulnerable. You know, the thing about ministry is you you live your life in front of everybody. You know, that's that's a, uh, I don't like that uh, sometimes. But, you know, one of the things that came to me is, hey, Dan, you, you don't have the authority to preach this. You can't share this until you go back and pick up some of the changes that you made and you keep that for yourself. So this is for me too. I'm not just talking at you. I'm with you. I'm with you in this. I want you to think about what you think about. Filter your thoughts. Paul challenges us to do that. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about what you think about. Put those thoughts in the proper place and ask yourself, who gave me this thought? Where? What is that? Where? What's behind those questions, and accept only the best thoughts, and then follow up with the right actions.